Uh, good morning, everyone. As, uh, as I uh, said at the beginning of the service, uh, this week uh, was VBS week, so we wrapped up uh, crazy, beautiful, exhausting, powerful, uh, exhausting, did I say that already? Uh, really exhausting week here uh, at the church. It was, uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, and today we're kicking off something brand new. We're kicking off a new sermon series called Next Gen. It's all about helping the next generation of Christians uh, grow in their faith, share their faith with others, and become leaders of the faith. Uh, and this is this is such an important conversation uh, because all of us, no matter where you are at in your life, what stage of life you're in, all of us have someone who's coming behind us. All of us have someone who's coming after us in the next generation. And so we have to ask ourselves, what is our responsibility to them? What's our responsibility to them? This isn't just for people who are like in my stage of life with uh, little ones of their own trying to raise up uh, children. But, but this is for all of us. This is for those of you who might be a little bit longer, uh, more mature in, in your life and uh, you have adult children of your own. Or high schoolers, you have middle schoolers and elementary school kids looking up to you. We all have someone looking up to us. We all have someone coming behind us. And whether we are aware of it or not, we are making history with our lives every single day. That the choices that we make and the actions that we take are being witnessed by those who are coming behind us. And the next generation... The next generation sees that. And the next generation, they're going to go to places where we cannot see. They're going to do things that we cannot do. But we have to remember that, that we cannot lead those who are coming behind us if we leave them behind. And so all of us, I think, would agree. that Whether or not you're a Jesus person or not, all of us, I think, would agree that we want to see the next generation succeed. I mean, how many times have, have you uh, heard it said, or, or maybe you've even said it yourself, I want for my children, or, or for my grandchildren, or for my niece and my nephew, I, I want for, for these children, this next generation, I, I want for them a better life than the one that I've had. You know, even, even if you've had a pretty good life, you, you still want something better. You still want something more for them. There, there's still a better place that you hope to see them in the future than where you and I currently are. And that, that, that's a pretty selfless thing when you think about it. And so, you know, the Bible is, uh, it's a story of, of generations of people who have come to experience and know and understand God, and they've written it down and they've passed it down to their children and their children's children and their children's children until it's finally met with us. That's why sometimes those places in the Bible that uh, seem kind of strange and, if we're honest, a little bit boring, so-and-so begot so-and-so and begot so-and-so and begot so-and-so and begot so-and-so, and you think, who really cares? But that was so important because it tells us that this story that we have— this story about who God is and what God has been up to in the world was a God that's been up to people's lives. 
at work in generations of people long before us. And God, we believe, is at work in those who are going to come after us. And so there was one generation of people in the Bible who grew up and had a really hard life. They grew up uh, in oppression. They grew up in slavery. They grew up in genocide. In under, under the Pharaoh of Egypt, they were the Israelites. And then to make a long story short, one day they were set free from their oppression, from captivity. And God said, you can go now. Leave Egypt. You're, you're free. But the problem was they just didn't have anywhere to go. They no longer had a home. And so they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. That's about the length of a generation. They wandered in the wilderness for 40 years with no food to eat. Clean water was hard to come by. But they knew that God had made a promise, that, that God had set them free for a purpose, for something bigger, that their life was meant for something greater. And their leader was a man named Moses. And at some point along the journey, he comes to realize that he and his peers weren't going to reach that promised land by the end of their lifetime. That, that they weren't going to find that place of rest and peace, that they were going to wander in the wilderness for the rest of their lives until they passed away. And so Moses, knowing that, that his days are numbered, he gathers up all the people and he gives them some advice. He, he imparts to them some of his wisdom that he says, I want to give this to you so that you remember it, so that you hold it within your hearts and that maybe you'll pass it on to your children and your children's children. And so this comes from the book of Deuteronomy and, uh, you know, the story of, uh, of the Israelites coming out of Egypt. You can find that in, in the book of Exodus. And then the book following it is called Deuteronomy. And uh, most of it takes place after they've gone out of Egypt. And it's really just Moses's long sermon to the people of Israel. It's just a really long sermon that he's giving to them. And so I'll make mine shorter than what he did, but here's just a part of it. This is uh, from Deuteronomy chapter six. It says, these are the commands, decrees and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess. God's brought you out of Egypt. You're going across the land, across the Jordan River to possess so that you, your children and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all these decrees, all his decrees and commands that I give you. And so that you may enjoy long life. Hear Israel and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you, and so that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, has promised you. Essentially, he says this. He says, don't miss this. Don't, don't, don't miss this. We've, we've gone through all of this struggle, all these trials, all of this hardship, so that you, maybe not me, Moses says, Maybe, maybe not my peers, maybe not us, but, but so that you, so that the next generation may, may enjoy a long and a fruitful life. And so he says, elders among you, 
Listen up. And aunts and uncles and teachers and mentors, parents, listen up to what I'm about to say next. Because you have a generation coming behind you. And this is what I want you to tell them. So he goes on and he says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. It's the foundation level right there. And so love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. And this next part, let me give just kind of some modern uh, commentary translation interspersed throughout it because Moses gives uh, a whole strategy, a whole strategy for impressing the faith upon the next generation because there, in the daily rhythms of life, there are opportunities to subtly impress and pass on the faith to the next generation. So Moses says this, he says, talk about them when you sit at home. So when you have a meal together, you're sitting around the table together, talk about these things. Talk about the things of faith. Talk, talk about how you have seen God at work in your life and maybe where the next generation has seen God at work in their life. And when you walk along the road, you know those car trips you have one-on-one? Maybe that's a time for some of those informal conversations. See what, what's going on in their life. And when you lie down, taking the time to pray with each other, maybe to read some scripture together before you lie down. And then he says, and when you get up, then when you get up in the morning, maybe that's a, that's an opportunity that you have. If you have little ones at home, an opportunity that you have to remind them of their heavenly worth and value before they head off into a world that they might make them question that. Finally, he says, tie them as symbols on your hand and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. You see, Moses Moses has a long-term vision for the people of Israel. And, and, and he knew that, that he wouldn't see it come to pass, that he wouldn't be around, but those coming behind him would see it. And this is crucial because the further we are able uh, to envision the future, the, the further we are able to, to see beyond, the further out we are able to look, the better the decisions that we will make today. The further out we are able to think and try to see the future and the desired future that we want to have, then the better the decisions that we are able to make today. Let me give you just kind of a silly uh, example, but I have two kids of my own. I have a three-year-old and a one-and-a-half-year-old. Um, and so I have this eternal struggle every night uh, that I tell them I want them to clean up uh, their toys. Now, <clears throat> if you've ever tried to get toddlers to clean up toys, uh, it's cute for about 30 seconds, and then it's frustrating, and then you're left with a bigger mess than you began with. Uh, it's just kind of awful. Um, and I know, I know it'd be so much easier and quicker and more efficient for me to go and clean up the toys for them every night. Like, why even bother ask them for it? But then I pause and I think, what kind of teenagers do I want to have 10 years from now? And then I think, no, that's futile because that's just going to still be a mess in their rooms. And I'm sure any parent of a teenager can tell me that. So I think, okay, maybe what kind of husband 
do I want them to be one day if they get married? Or, or maybe what, what, what kind of father do I want them to be to their own children? You see, it's, it's not just what's easy, but what's better. What's, what's the better thing for their future? And so Moses, he says to the Israelites, and, and I think that he knows, and I think everybody that's, that's there listening to this knows, Moses, what you're saying, it's not easy to be that intentional about passing on, impressing these commandments of the Lord onto them. I mean, have you, have you heard all the commandments? There's kind of a lot of them, and, and you want us to pass those on to them. Moses says, I know, it's not easy. But I want you to think about what's better. What's better? So I want you to impress them, impress these commandments on them. And I love that word, impress. It makes me think of, of Play-Doh. You remember playing with Play-Doh growing up? I used to love that stuff. Um, got it everywhere and stuck in the carpet and all that. Um, but Play-Doh, you know, you use the, the, the force, the energy, the motivation of, of one solid thing, like your hand or a tool or whatever, and you impress it upon that which is moldable. And then when you take that thing away, you're left with an imprint. So we make imprints of our hands or our faces or whatever. And then when you take that away, what you're left with is an imprint, an image of what was there, of that solid object. And the more firm, the more sturdy that the tool is that you use to make that impression, then the easier that it is. I think you might be getting with me. And so Moses, Moses was pretty firm. Pretty, pretty secure, pretty sturdy in his faith. And he had all these commandments. He had seen what God has done throughout his lifetime, but he knows that he's not going to be around forever. And so he says, I'm going to impress these things on you so that when I'm gone, so that when I'm removed from here, you'll still be able to see, hopefully, the mark that I've made on your life. That when you take me out of the equation, not all is lost because I've been using everything I got to impress these upon you, and I hope that you'll impress them upon those who are coming behind you. And so here's the thing for us, that if we aren't firm in our faith, then we won't leave much of an impression for the next generation. If we aren't firm in our own faith, then we won't leave much of an impression on the next generation because we aren't capable of teaching until we ourselves are hearing and listening and obeying and loving and being with the Lord on our own. We must model the faith as we teach it. And it has to be within us before we can ever pass it down into those who are coming behind of us. But what I'm not saying, I'm not saying that you have to have it all figured out. I, I, I'm not saying that, you know, you have to go to seminary and have a master's of divinity and, and have all the answers figured out. I, I'm not, because we're all on this journey together. And you know, sometimes I find that we're so worried about having the right answers to the questions that those coming behind us aren't even asking, <laughs> That really, often they're asking 
do you love me? Does Jesus love me? Where's my worth? And so what, what I'm asking you is, even though you may not have it all figured out, don't, don't worry about that. Because do you have a story from your own life, your own faith life that, that you can share? Do you have a story about how God has got you through something? Or a story about the joy of finding community and, and support through the body of Christ? Do you, do you have that? All I'm asking is for you to show up. That's the first step. Just to show up, to model your faith for those who are coming behind you, whether they're in their 30s and 40s like me, or whether they're in high school and middle school and elementary school. And we're, we're going to pick up on this more next week, but, but here's where I just want to leave you with and, and maybe, maybe unsettle you with this, with this question. What are you leaving behind? What are you leaving behind for those who are coming behind you? What are you leaving behind for those who are coming behind you? In your own life, the things that you do, that, that you're modeling for them because they're watching. And also in your faith. And look, some of you, I know, you got some things in your life that have been passed down to you that you don't want them there that they've, they've made a mark on your life that you wish that you didn't have because somebody impressed that upon you. And it's taken some time to remold that and reshape that. And maybe that's a starting place. As you take inventory of, of the things that you're leaving behind for those that are coming behind you, maybe that's a starting place to say, I don't want that. I don't want that for the next generation. But there's also some good things, too. I know that, that have been passed down to you. Those good things, maybe those good things of the faith that, that you're now pretty firm in, that you have a sturdy understanding of it. How can you pass that down? How can you intentionally model that to pass it down to the next generation of those who are coming behind you? Because here's the thing. We know most of us can't leave a lavish inheritance to our children. If you have children, you know, you can't leave a lavish inheritance to them. Most of us can't do that. But we will all leave a personal legacy. And in the same way, the church today, we can't solve all the problems for the next generation. We, we just can't. We should, we should try as hard as we can but we're not going to solve all the problems for them. And, and they're going to go to places where we cannot see, and they're going to do things that we cannot do. But what we can leave behind for them is a legacy of faith. And so let me ask you, what are you leaving behind for those who are coming behind you? Because whatever we give to the next generation or whatever we do for the next generation, it's not nearly as important as what we leave within the next generation. So we're going to pick up more on this next week, but why don't we pray together? Oh God, Lord, we give you thanks for some of those people in our lives that have passed the faith down onto us. Lord, that have taken the time to sit with us, to listen to us, 
to give us a little bit of their wisdom and, and understanding. We thank you for those saints that have gone before us. And now, Holy Spirit, we, we pray that, that today, today, Lord, that you would give us the courage to be those saints for those who are coming behind us. God, to be those who teach, to be those who model, those who testify and witness to what you've done in our life and what we know is there, the impression that you've made, help us to pass that on to them. Give us courage, Lord, and help us trust and lean into your good future. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.